Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, this is God speaking to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before God made us in the womb, he knew us. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And then, of course, um, the last, but certainly not least, of the scriptures is out of Proverbs chapter 31, verses 8 and 9. And it's a, a call for us to do something. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And one of those who cannot speak for themselves are those human beings in the womb. For the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. We have a responsibility as Christians to do what the right thing is. I want you to see this short uh, DVD, YouTube, and then I will, uh, sorry, YouTube video, and then I will introduce our speaker. The speaker, I, I contacted the Alpha Pregnancy Resource Center or the clinic, I should say, they changed their name. Um, there are many of them all over the country and I'm sure in other parts of the world as well. In the back after the service, there is a sign-up sheet for those of you that want to go further, uh, uh, giving your name and uh, to, to do that to be a prayer partner and uh, you know possibly other things. We've had people from our church go and be trained for counseling uh, in the... Uh, uh, alpha pregnancy clinics and so that's a that's a wonderful thing well our speaker Lori Hughes comes to us from the center uh, in Vacaville and uh, she is uh, a special emissary from God to remind us how wonderful life is I just got to meet Lori this morning I'm very impressed with her and I am blessed to have her come and share with us and so would you give a nice, warm Family Christian Center welcome to Miss Lori Hughes. God bless you. Lori. Let me get my stuff out of the way here. All right. God bless you. God bless you, too. My goodness, uh, to worship with you today was really a pleasure. Um, I got to see the heart of a pastor who prays for you, cares for you, um, gives you the word as it comes straight from the Lord and to be in the powerful worship and to seal it with communion being reminded what the precious blood of Jesus has done for all of us um, I'm just really inspired being here so I thank you uh, Family Christian Center Dixon um, and Pastor Barry Carroll and his wife Betty I really appreciate this opportunity um, I am with Alpha Clinics I've been volunteering for um, over 10 years and we have four locations, one in Vacaville, one in Fairfield, one in Vallejo, and one in Napa. And we serve the community um, primarily in their pregnancies, but also we help them with um, well care for the mother and for the child. And our services are all at no charge and purely confidential. Um, we offer pregnancy tests, ultrasounds, well woman care, STI testing, birth control education, options counseling, material assistance, like diapers and things, life skills and education, and trauma and loss counseling. Um, we look at parenting and adoption and abortion, and we provide hope, help, and healing. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my own personal testimony. Um, I was pregnant at 15, 
and I was raised in an Irish Catholic family back in Billings, Montana. And I love that we just watched that video because my father taught me Genesis 1:27, the Imagio Dei, how we're all made in the image of God. And when we look through that lens, we're able to see past people's stuff and get to the real heart of the human being. So at 15, I became pregnant. And I was really scared. I was going to a Catholic school and mass six days a week because we went five days um, a week before school and then on Sundays. And after dinner at six o'clock, all eight kids and our parents, we got to our knees and we prayed the rosary, not just um, out of honor to God, but for the love of the community. And so I was a little afraid when I became pregnant, as you can imagine. And I didn't tell anyone. I kind of let them guess, like any responsible teenager would do. And uh, the night that my mother said she was going to pick my dad up from the airport and tell him on the way home that I was pregnant, I called my boyfriend, and we went in his car, and we hid in the church parking lot. At least I kind of knew where to go. <laughs> and I came home at 3.30 in the morning because I figured my dad got up around 5 to read the Bible. Mom went to bed a little later, so if I came home in the middle, no one would see me. And as I walked through that door... I opened the door, and there my father sat across the room in his green velvet chair, pop bottle glasses, reading his word. And I just burst into tears. And my dad came to me, and he, I'll never forget, he put his arms around me and he said, I love you. Mom and I are too old to raise a baby. I was the youngest of eight. And he said, but we will support you. We will love you, and we will support you. And all I ask is that you pray every single day what's best for that baby, whether it is you parenting and will assist you, or whether it's placing the child into uh, loving adopted parents' arms. Now get to school. I mean, get to sleep. You have school in a couple of hours. Um, I'll never forget how my father treated me. Never. Uh, I was in a pretty terrible relationship. Um, I was in that relationship all through high school. And after I gave birth to my lovely little daughter, Erica, um, at 16, I became pregnant again. And that time, I didn't tell anyone again. I was in a fight, um, physical fight with her, uh, her father when I saw him at the park with another girl and when he um, rejected me and denied me. And I was a heartbroken girl. And we fought, and later that night, I went home and the contractions started. And I lost a little boy at over 20 weeks. And I'll never forget his perfectly formed um, little body. Um, nowadays, at 21, 22 weeks, the children are able to live outside of the womb. It's just incredible. Um, but I, in a sense, uh, was a broken person. I was looking for love through my boyfriend, um, even though I was, had loving parents, there was still something missing. It's missing in all of us. It can happen to any church kid. It can happen to anyone. But my blessing was that I did have guidance and love of a good, godly mother and father. And at the same time, when I went back to school, I was in my home met class, and I was sewing a little outfit. I was sewing uh, green corduroy pants and a little striped um, jersey knit long sleeve t-shirt as part of my assignment and one of the one of the nuns came and saw me she said who are you making that for you know do you have like a niece or and I said it's for my daughter 
Well, they assumed, the few that knew I was pregnant, they assumed that when I went away for the summer, that I placed the baby into adoptive parents' arms. And no one talked about it at those days. And so immediately they went to the school board. A few people were up in a ruckus and saying that they don't want their daughters around girls like me. And I thought I was a pretty good uh, example, actually, because no one wanted to be like me. Um, I was the only one in the school. Um, so I was um, nicely asked to leave my parochial school. And I did still go to church, but the, um, the priest there at my parish that we'd all been raised in and that you know my father served in all of our lives, um, they would not baptize my baby girl because they said she was a sin. And as you know, my premarital sex outside of marriage was indeed a sin. And it was just, sin is just anything that like hurts us and causes the you know, heart of God to, to hurt. It's just anything that can just separate us from that love of God. And um, so anyway, I moved to California when I was 18 with my little girl. And we lived in Santa Cruz for a while. And I went to a couple churches. I went to one church, um, and no one talked to me. And I remember calling my mom and saying, Mom, can I go to this other church? They're coming around with a bus, and they do crafts for the kids. And my daughter was pretty rambunctious, and she didn't need to sit in a pew in a church. She needed to be in the child care, you know, in Sunday school. And so my mom said, sure, you know. And um, so I went for a while, and I decided no one was talking to me. Not a soul looked at me like, who are you? Why don't you have a ring on your finger? Who's this little rambunctious kid? Um, how can we help you? Do you have enough food? Or, you know, no one asked anything. They didn't even ask who I was or what my name was. And so I really appreciate being um, in a church that's very hospitable. I know for a fact that if someone comes through this door, a young teenage mom or something, you're going to notice and you're going to welcome her. Um, and I can tell because of the way you all welcome me here today. And so uh, I decided at 20 to go to college. And I ended up on Howe Avenue. Um, my apartment was on Howe Avenue. My school was on Howe Avenue. And um, there was a young girl named Veronica. And she was on fire for Jesus. Like, I had heard of Jesus, but I never knew, like, he really lived inside of someone. And she could be so joyous and so excited. At, you know, she was, like, younger than me. And so she lived with her mother and a little sister, and she invited me to go to church. So she invited me to Capital Christian Center, and um, I was really excited to hear that that's where um, your pastor, you know, came out of, was originated from. God makes no mistakes. Um, there's four of us right now in four different churches with Alpha today, and I got chosen to come here, and I feel so honored. And so it was at that church where I, too, became... Uh, a Christian and accepted Jesus and living inside of me and became joyous. I was embraced by that community. That church um, welcomed me like a present day, you know, widow and orphan, basically. And they helped raise me up, and I'm so grateful to them. Um, and that's the thing is when the church does not embrace us as single moms, teen moms, then the culture will. And that's what happened when I was kind of turned away um, from some at the church, um, I just went right back out to my boyfriend, right back out to the world, and I reciprocated and got pregnant again. So the idea is that we bring people in, and we wrap our loving arms around them so that they don't have to keep being out there in the world and doing those same things, being thrown back out into the, 
the culture. And so um, the next one is, what do I do at Alpha? Well, my mother volunteered at Alpha back in Billings, Montana in the 70s, right after Roe v. Wade. And so I always had a heart for um, the unborn. I knew that my mother, because of what happened to me, that my mother was out there also helping teen moms and the dads and those babies. And one day at church, um, my daughter came running home. She had been to Mexico on a missions trip. And she came home and she said, Mom, I really feel like I heard God say Alpha. And Alpha had been at my church that same day. And I was always kind of nudged into the pro-life movement. But my daughter and I, we went and we went through the Speakers Bureau uh, where we could go out and speak in schools. Um, Jazzy had had a... Um, been teen raped um, when she was a teenager at 14 years old. Um, she had been date raped. And she always knew she wanted to help others and counsel others. And that was revealed at Alpha because we're mandated reporters. And she was able to get the help she needs. And so she would go into the community and speak about teen dating violence, and um, which is just a precursor to domestic violence. And she would speak about um, renewed virginity as well. And so we would go into youth groups, and uh, for me, I really love fetal development. I think it's just totally amazing that we get a cell from our mom, a cell from our dad, and immediately create a new cell with all of our genetic materials in there. It's just fascinating to me. And um, I volunteered for over 10 years on the Speakers Bureau team, and I'm also in the mobile unit on an ultrasound uh, machine, and I am a client advocate. So 90% of uh, young ladies will choose life once they've seen the image in the, um, in the ultrasound, but not all. Many still abort um, even after knowing the facts, but it's a really high percent that will choose life for their child once they see the baby on ultrasound. One client, I'll never forget, she was in high school, and she came in and, um, you know, a regular ultrasound, you have the screen towards you, and you get to see the beauty and the excitement. And she said, you're going to let me see the screen? Wow. Last time I was pregnant at the other clinic, I wasn't allowed to see. And that, that child ended in a termination. And so... Um, it's just really so much fun when you get to see someone and they're afraid and they're troubled and then they get to see that heartbeat and the little baby moving around and, and you get to like see the transformation on their face and you know they start to see like the possibilities and that fear begins to turn into like peace and excitement at the same time. And that's a really opportune time to be able to um, connect with the young girl. Uh, in the Last few months, I'm also a new board member. And what's changing at Alpha is um, our beloved Deidre was here speaking to you last time. And Deidre had a beautiful story of purity. Um, that is not my story. Um, Deidre has since gone on to heaven, and we miss her desperately. We have a new uh, CEO, Dr. Klein. So he is a medical doctor, um, OBGYN. Uh, he was in the military. He's just um, started with us in the last couple of weeks, and he has big plans for women and their children and, and men in the community and being able to get much care at Alpha, more than we have had in the past. Uh, also, um, I'll tell you a little bit about a couple more clients. 
And uh, we had her pregnancy test, and she was pregnant. And then we went out and had an ultrasound. She was so afraid, really, really closed off, hunkered down, because she was also in an abusive relationship. She also didn't trust people very well because her own mother had left her abandoned in the hospital. And still, her mother lives homeless on the streets. Um, that relationship was evangelism and love. Just totally the heart of God that he had for Jewel. And they ended up going to Capital Christian Center also in Sacramento, um, where she was uh, discipled there and cared for. She since has moved to another state, and um, that child is my godson, and I love him uh, dearly. He used to come into my house, and he would see a crucifix on the wall, and he would grab it off, and he would say, Jesus died for my sins, and he died for your sins. And I'm like, what a little evangelist. And when he was like three years old, he would stand up, and he would recite the Lord's Prayer, you know, with such conviction. And, and I think, like, if she wouldn't have brought him into the world, like, we'd be missing out on an evangelist. Like, I can't wait to see him. He's already impacted my life. It's not what he's going to be when he grows up. He already is, you know, who he is. And another, um, we'll call her Rose. Rose came in, and she's pro-choice. And she said, with fist in the air, no white Republican's ever going to tell me what to do with my body. Things she had learned on the college campus. And so we went back and forth with her. I showed her all the fetal development. She researched on her own everything to do with adoption, parenting, single parenting, um, and abortion. And she looked at everything. She wanted to know um, what types of abortions there were, if there was any, uh, any odd effects that would happen to her afterwards. Like, I loved her. She was educating herself to make her own choice, one that she could live with. And I was very impressed. She also came to the church and asked the church, and the pastor showed her fetal development, and they talked to her about what the Word of God says, like in Psalm 139, which you've read here today. And it was like a loving thing to see the evangelism that started with Jewel at the pregnancy center and then the discipleship that happens at the church with Rose. And so when you look at the importance of that, Rose went from the pregnancy center to the church and from the church to the pregnancy center, and she chose life for her little girl. And the boyfriend came along, too, and some guys at the church embraced him, and they mentored him. And so we're like, now we've got this little family, right? We've got this little family, what God intended, how he intended children to come up with a mother and a father in a loving home. And it was just so exciting to see. Um, she said that when she knew that I was a teen mom and sees me now, that she saw a new perspective. And so sometimes we look at our past and we think, well, I didn't make the right mistakes. But to someone that's making those same mistakes, you look like you've really, like, gotten it together, I guess you could say. And so, in a sense, it had given her hope and given her a new perspective. So she now um, is in college, uh, and she's also um, in Celebrate Recovery at her church, and she's got lots of uh, hope and options for her future. 
And so one of the things when we talk about um, abortion and we think, well, we can't talk about that in the church. I just love how your pastor is willing to talk about pro-life things in the church, which does include, include abortion. And we must deprogram the church because it's not political. It's a gospel issue. Think of the story of Mary and Joseph, that whole nativity narrative, right? When, when Mary found out that she was pregnant, an angel had to come and say, do not be afraid. And then when Joseph found out, an angel had to come to him and say, do not be afraid, and marry Mary. In one sentence. And so even with an unexpected pregnancy, not unplanned by God, but unexpected to Mary and Joseph, an angel had to come along to help. And that's what the church does. We're not angels. We're human beings. But we come alongside of people when they're in those situations. And we tell them, do not be afraid. And we can talk to the young man, and we can mentor him, and we can tell them the importance of marriage. And because when we just look at um, the, the woman and the child, we, we miss out on the Josephs in the room, the Joseph that will adopt a child, the Joseph that will take someone on and not publicly disgrace her. Mary could have gotten stoned, and Jesus could have been taken out in the womb if Joseph hadn't have been there for her. And so we talk a lot about Mary and the baby, but sometimes I just want to applaud the men and the men that come alongside of the women in the pro-life movement. We need more men. And it's a church responsibility for us to raise disciples, to disciple one another. And teen pregnancy is the best time that you can come alongside of someone and be able to disciple them. It's a, it's a wonderful way to um, grow the church. And um, when I think about my life and what happened at the pregnancy center, it was a few years back in Fairfield, and there were three 12-year-old girls that were pregnant in my own community. One of them was my client. She was 13, but she got pregnant at 12. And when that happened, we're mandated reporters. We had to call um, the authorities, and I never got to see her again. And I really wanted to, like, love on her and counsel her, and I got to that day. And I just pray that that hour I spent with her planted seeds of hope and that that child is living, and that the, the young girl is, um, someone's wrapping their arms around her. You know, I pray for her, but I went home and I just poured out my heart to God. I was crushed. And I was like, God, how can I help? And I heard about 3.30 in the morning, get up, write, educate my people. And I started to write, and I started to think of all the things that Alpha has taught me, all the things that go on in a church. It's, it's not just um, whether you parent a child or um, adopt or abort. There's foster care. There's adoption. There's people that are hurting from infertility, and there's people that are hurting from their own abortions. So about 60% of people... Uh, at the time of their abortion, they identify as a Christian, and they were going to church about once a month. So in our churches, we're, we're in a big crisis. And I believe that um, statistics say like one in four or one in five um, pregnancies end in abortion. But we also have a lot of loss with miscarriage. And so there is counseling at Alpha uh, where we can find forgiveness and freedom for any of our bad decisions uh, surrounding a pregnancy, miscarriage, abortion, all of those things outside of wedlock. Um, those kind of things uh, 
they cause us to want to uh, hide and shrink. And so sometimes we don't talk about that in the church. So it's just a really loving place where you can uh, be able to come and, and find the, the healing. We have a lot of social uh, consequences, like I did when you're pregnant in the church, a lot of judgment. Um, but it does go from the top down where uh, pastors do a really good job at addressing the pro-life um, the pro-life agenda. And I would also like to say that that same daughter that I was pregnant with at 15, uh, she also had a pregnancy in high school that I did not know about. So in the middle of writing where I could help other families, my daughter came and told me that she had had a secret teen abortion when she was in high school. And then I was in the fetal position, just totally um, grieving the grandchild, but also what my daughter had been through. And I realized that I hadn't said a lot to my kids. I lived the pro-life message, but I hadn't said a lot to them at a young age the way my parents had. So it's really important that not just the church talks about this, but that we talk about it in the home from a very young age, the way that my parents did. I failed in that. And in a sense, I failed her and I left her out there to the wolves. But I have forgiven myself. Um, I have received healing. And uh, so is she, and I'm happy to say that now she is the new director for Alpha Clinics in Napa, California, which is really exciting. So I'm forever grateful for the post abortive of healing that she has received. And if there's anyone here today who has had an abortion in your past, you can come to us confidentially. You can just give us a call. We have a, a website, areyoupregnant.org, and we can get you any type of healing that you need. It's really freeing. I've gotten to see my daughter um, be, be free. And I feel a lot freer too because I was able to kind of dig down deep and see my part in that too and how it affected me, how it affected my daughter, and take that all to Christ. And one of the things as a church is, number one, we believe that uh, having a baby is not sin. Just like my father told me don't have sex outside of marriage. But once the baby came, the focus shifted. And it was all about the baby created in God's image. And then also, we won't judge you. We won't suggest an abortion, and we won't judge you. And number three, we will celebrate that child. We will offer grace. We will connect you to the pregnancy center. We'll have a baby shower here for you like we would any other member. And then we can mentor you. So ways that the church can help we have a sign-up sheet in the back, and there's something called No, Not This One. And what you do is you just put down your name and your cell phone number and your carrier, like Sprint or Verizon. And when we get someone in that's a crisis, that's considering abortion, we send a text out, and it just says, No, Not This One. That's your chance to pray. And it all starts with prayer. So you will be connected to people that are in crisis pregnancies and just say a quick prayer. And it's so exciting. I was around someone at my job the other day that signed up for this. And she's like, yes! She looks at her phone and on the text and it said, one saved. And so you get an answer back once that person, um, that young lady, the client, uh, decides to um, choose life. You get a text back that says, one saved. And 1 Chronicles 5.20 says, For they cried out to God in battle, and he answered. 
And so prayer is very essential in this ministry. And right next to your name, if you want to volunteer, just write in volunteer. You can do so many things um, using your gifts in the pregnancy center in the church. Um, you can donate money or materials like newly uh, used clothing or, or new clothing, uh, diapers, things like that, necessities for the babies. You can attend a crab feed. We have a crab feed on Friday night, February 8th, and there's still tickets available. It's in Vacaville. It's a lot of fun. And the proceeds there um, will go to the pregnancy center. There's baby bottle drives where, like how you did the little bread bucket today for missions, you can fill little baby bottles um, with your coins. And then also, um, yesterday was the Walk for Life in San Francisco. It's a lot of fun. So maybe some year you could plan as a church to all go together. It really, it's very inspiring. Um, your pastor was talking about uh, Abby Johnson, and she was the speaker yesterday. So there's very, very wonderful speakers, and it's a joyous occasion. Lots of families go there. Um, also, you could do something in Dixon, like for single moms or for foster care, you know, where you do an outreach to your own community. And I see you're doing things in missions. You're, you're doing outreach, even talking to worshiper Lisa. She was talking about, you know, just how she's being used and being the light out in her own job and in the community. So I really believe that God is raising you all up for such a time as this because you have wonderful teaching here. You have just so much love and, and gospel shared. And I just would really pray that um, whatever is in your heart to do, to be uh, more actively pro-life. And we also would appreciate like a liaison, maybe someone that wants to come in and volunteer. Um, you can go through Speakers Bureau training where you can be able to go out into high schools and things or churches and, and speak. You can also um, learn how to be a counselor there. Um, we have nurses, all kinds of things, uh, front desk people. Some people come in and clean. So just anything that you, um, that you have in your hand that you'd like to share, we would really um, appreciate it. It, it. it takes all of us to be able to do this, um, to do this work. And um, in John 10.10, I would like to leave you with this. Uh, John 10.10, it says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when you look at those Greek words and what they mean, it's just amazing. So when he comes to steal, it gives you a picture of like a pickpocket, somebody that just steals off you and you kind of don't know it. And then the word kill is not like to murder you, but it's more to um, uh, get you to give up things. Con he convinces you what he can't steal from you, he convinces you to give up. And that could be things like your own children. It could be things like your purity. It could be things like, you know, something to do with with marriage and not um, appreciating your spouse. And then that last one is to destroy. So whatever he can't take from you, get you to convince you to give up on your own, then he will try to destroy. He's on a mission to totally destroy you. Not only the babies in the womb, but each and every one of you in this room. And the good news is that Jesus came to give us life more abundantly. And when I looked at that word life, in Greek it means zoe. And it is a life with God. It's an abundant life. It's a super wonderful life. And I kind of look at it like grandchildren. So I have 11 grandchildren, 
and three are in the womb. And it's so exciting to me just to, to see how God will just bless us and bless us. You know, there's a lot of work and there's a lot of suffering in the pro-life uh, mission, but there's so much joy. It's just like in families. You know, you have the joys and pains of labor. You have the joys and pains of raising the kids and <laughs> seeing them, uh, you know, find their new loves and, and that type of thing. But the, the joy of grandchildren to me, I like to think of it like that Zoe life. It's a life that is um, full and rich and full of abundance, but it also has that, um, that family feeling and that um, where you'll have that lifelong uh, relationship with Christ into eternity. So it's that life with God here on earth and here in heaven that Jesus came to give us. And those are the things that if we can offer those to the world, then we have been... Uh, daughters and sons and brothers and sisters um, of Jesus Christ himself and, and children of the Most High God. And I just really feel like um, the pro-life message is, is more pro-love. It's pro-family. It's pro-love. And I just am so excited to be here today, and I can't wait to hear um, what the Holy Spirit inspires you to do, to come alongside in your own families, in your own church, um, at the pregnancy center, in your own community. And I just thank you, and I bless you all in Jesus' name. Stay right here, please. Javier, would you come over here, please? And uh, Lisa, come on over. We're going to pray for um, uh, Lori. And then when we finish praying, I want her to go back to the table. If anyone wants to talk with her afterwards, that would be great. We are going to take a special offering for her. Uh, when you write a check out, please make it to Family Christian Center. We'll make sure that every dime goes to, uh, goes to the Alpha Pregnancy Center. So go ahead, Lisa. Lay your hands on her. Just pray. Stretch forth your hand towards uh, uh, Lori, if you would. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the message of life. That's you. You are the author of life. And we pray your blessings over Lori, over the other speakers. As Lori goes to focus on the family later on this year, we pray your anointing on her as she broadcasts the message of life across the United States and around the world. We pray, Lord, that the funds would be provided. We pray that everything would be done for your glory. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that uh, life would happen and that those who went through the, uh, uh, in an abortion, the women that did that, that you would uh, minister to them and that their forgiveness would be so sealed in their hearts. And Lord, that you would use their experience to be a blessing to other people. Now bless Lori today, her, her children, her grandchildren. We thank you for the life that you've given her to express oh, your heart to us. And we give you thanks. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. God bless you. Gabby, would you come over, please? As Gabby goes around, I'd like you to just start from one end and go to the other. And, uh, and uh, let's just pray for God's blessing. And, uh, and Lori will be, will be in the back. If you want to talk with her afterwards, please. Guys, remember we have our um, men's uh, luncheon starting at around 1230 or so over at uh, Round Table. Father, thank you. Every dime, may it go for your glory today, and may you encourage us, Lord, as we step out in faith to be a blessing to you for those who are hurting. 
and we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.